0: Why is an iPhone? Welcome to How It's Med, specifically MedTech Talks, a series hosted by myself, Jeff, and Abdo, my co-hosts, where we talk with the people who are shaping the future of healthcare and where we ponder what an iPhone is. Alongside our guest today, Arna Yanesku Stol, the CEO of Wavely and the previous founder and principal of Triity. Okay, just to backtrack, this is part two of a two-part episode featuring Arna. Last time she talked a little bit about how she got to where she is today, but this time we're gonna focus a little more on Wavely and how it's aiming to shape the future of digital diagnostics to pair up with telemedicine that you may have used in the past couple years during the COVID-19 pandemic. Let's get started. I think that's really interesting. The highlight there is being able to respect the domain expertise of all individuals on the team. I think that's particularly important when it comes to, I guess, delegating. when it comes to the early stages of a startup. But, you know, you, you mentioned before, um, that it's important to focus on human centered design. How is your personal life tied in, uh, to Waveli overall?
1: I mean, everything I do is from the perspective of a, of a human-centered designer. I think it's actually hard to be a human-centered designer because you're inherently dissatisfied with most of the things that you interact with because they aren't designed as well as they could be. So I guess in my personal life, if I'm constantly noticing the things that I wish had been designed uh, with, with more of an eye towards the people people using them, I mean, the thing that's kind of fun for me at Wavely is I'm a mom of two young girls who are exactly in the demographic that we're aiming to support at Wavely, and it's probably one of the first times in my career where I've had the opportunity to really design uh, for myself as the user. Um, And that's actually it's very unusual in design to do that, right? Because all of the processes are about how we how we design for people who aren't us, and how we make sure that we get into their feet and we have empathy. We get into their shoes, excuse me, and we have empathy. As opposed, to, uh, as opposed to just designing for yourself, which usually is not good practice. So it's, it's interesting to actually have the opportunity to, to be my own user in the case of, of Wavely, and, and there's definitely insights we've taken. Um, for example, uh, when we design our app uh, to be used kind of with a child uh, and, and the parrot, a lot of the insights that I've had from just my own interactions with my daughter's We've built into the app in order to get the kids engaged with the diagnostic tests that we're doing, and I think you know that's that's it's fun to be able to apply that and and work with things from my own experience.
2: Well, I realize we haven't actually talked about Wave, so can you introduce the company and tell us what you do?
1: Sure. So, Waveley is building a suite of phone based, smartphone based diagnostics for pediatric care. Um, I think it's really important that we look at. Smartphones for uh, for for diagnostic capabilities—they're incredibly sophisticated these days in terms of the sensors, and there are huge. There's huge potential for medical diagnostics. There's a number of companies that have had this insight. I believe that there is a new industry emerging called digital diagnostics, of which we are one of the uh, large players. Um, and you know, we're focused on pediatrics because I think it's even more important to be able to. Uh, have diagnostics for kids than it is for adults. You know, my girls, whenever anything's wrong, they tell me they have a tummy ache. It doesn't matter what's wrong. It's a a tummy ache. So there isn't a lot of specificity often to what kids tell you when they're not feeling feeling well. And so having, um, you know, validated, verified diagnostics at at your fingertips, I think will really help with, with, with pediatrics and will really serve to make healthcare significantly more accessible. I think You know, I think our big um, strategy is to partner with telemedicine uh, in order to bring the clinicians, kind of virtual clinicians, the data that they need to make a more accurate assessment. Um, And, you know, using phones is really the only way we're going to get these diagnostics in everybody's hands. If you rely on building a piece of hardware that has to be distributed and purchased, it's, it's a very difficult business model to execute on.
2: I was just going to ask what then it's your end division here, what are you trying to achieve in five, 10 years?
1: I think what we're trying to achieve is a suite of medical diagnostics that are highly relevant to to pediatric care. And that basically really put the patient and the child truly at the center of care. We've been talking about patient-centric care for, for decades, I'd say, at, at least since I started my career 20 some years ago. but. I think up until recently, we didn't have the technological convergence we needed to basically move beyond patient-centric care, being like a picture of the patient and, and the center of a PowerPoint. In order to like, truly get past like, you know a picture on a PowerPoint slide, like, you have to be able to bring healthcare to the patient. And I think the huge surge in telemed usage that we've seen coming out of the pandemic is great for that, right? Because it's all about meeting patients where and when they are with, with, with medical care. The problem is that there's only so much medicine that happens with two people talking or video, like you need to have physical exams and diagnostics for medicine. And so until you can actually add that into the mix, you're not going to have full patient centric care. And so I think that by having this convergence of highly, highly accessible medical diagnostics that literally anybody with a phone can access and telemedicine. Um, we finally have a shot at achieving this vision of of patient-centric care.
0: So, I mean, now you're talking about a future of patient-centric care that allows people to get care from wherever they are without having to travel an hour or so out of the way to drive, uh, to park, and then to wait for another hour in the waiting room. So this, this must save a whole bunch of money, not only for patients, but also for insurers or those the payers for healthcare. How do you think that this digital diagnostics revolution will shape the future of people's roles in healthcare and how we think about healthcare overall?
1: I mean, I think there's there's huge incentive on the payer side to use to use telehealth. There's a number of payers in the U.S. that are no longer charging copays for telehealth. So you can go to the doctor at brick and mortar and pay your thirty five dollar copay or whatever it is, or you can have a telemed visit. Uh, and 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 pay nothing. So you know, I think um, I think there's absolutely a shift that could be happening uh, and that I hope happens as a result of of true patient-centric care that I think digital diagnostics enables. You know, our first product is actually an app that can detect middle ear fluid, which is the key finding in the physical exam when you're evaluating an ear infection. And essentially what what we're doing is, we're enabling a parent who is woken up in the middle of the night by a child who's screaming and you have no idea what's wrong. And this has happened to me to have an urgent care visit from the child's bedside at three in the morning, right? Like that is incredible. And I think that really puts the patient and the family and the parent in control of of healthcare. And also this, this feeling that it's there for you when you need it, right? It's not something that you're going to have to wait months and months to schedule and, you know, Cancel work and not get paid, and expose your kid to germs. I think it's really, it's really something that is there when when you need it, you know, like a three a.m. house call, in essence. Mm Hmm. mm Hmm.
0: I I can't help but think, though, that we're only able to build in a modular fashion the physical exam, I guess, virtual, you know, replacements one by one. Um, Do you think that we're able to? We will ever? truly be able to replace physical exams with, you know, the suite of virtual tools we have available through our phones? Um, Or will there, in your opinion, be forever this gap between actual physical exams um, and exams done over a virtual consultation?
1: We're never going to be fully virtual in our care. There's always going to be things that require a visit. But what I'm really excited about is that that there are a good number of digital diagnostics companies that are building diagnostics in different realms. In order for digital diagnostics to change the world, we can't be the only ones doing it. We shouldn't be the only ones doing it, and we're not. And I think that what you're you're going to see, say, in the three to five, 10-year time frame is a significant aggregation of these digital diagnostics into a common backbone. So that um, you have, so that, you know, when you need a diagnostic, you have access to it. And I think we're going to be hitting it kind of therapeutic area by therapeutic area. There are different companies focused in, in different, in different um, domains. And so, you know, there's going to be things that you're always going to have to go in for, for spe- when you, especially for more specialist type uh, visits where you need equipment that is only available um, in a hospital setting. But I think that slowly by slowly, we're going to chip away at a significant percentage of the more run-of-the-mill appointments that we can address with a digital diagnostic and a telehealth visit.
2: Do you think that virtual care is trying to replace features or is it trying to add features?
1: So virtual care, I think what we're trying to do is make healthcare more efficient. Um, And so what digital diagnostics does is it's essentially uh, enabling that efficiency to happen, right, and enabling that locus of control to change from being very clinic centric to being patient centric, for sure, for 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 real.
2: That that was my question on that, uh, I'd like to talk a bit more on Wavely and specifically uh, the the suite that you mentioned. Is it since I'm an engineer that this interests me a bit. Uh, is it a lot easier to make the third app compared to the first?
1: The, I think depending on, on uh, your your point of view, the answer is yes and no, right? Because what we are putting in place with this first app is a fundamental business model. We're putting in place integration infrastructure. We're putting in place commercial partnerships. And so all of those will be able to leverage for apps two, three, and four that are on our roadmap. The actual core technology right once we get the patents um, out of the academic setting into the into the company, actually you know turning the technology proof of concept, which is essentially what you get out of an academic team into something that is productized and scalable and robust enough to be put in the hands of uh, people outside the core team um, that you know that that itself can't be scaled that that's the same amount of effort, but all of the The business components with as I said, the business model and the the partnerships uh, and the revenue structures, you know, all of those, the whole idea is to be able to replicate those and leverage them across different core apps, diagnostic apps.
0: I mean, from that, you're beginning to talk more about a platform and less about a standalone product. Um, If you were, if you, well, you are talking to an audience, which includes uh, medical learners and physicians who are might be interested in starting their own standalone products. Would would you encourage them to think bigger uh, in a more platform based fashion, or would you encourage them to focus on solving the product uh the, the problem at hand first? How would you encourage them to think about you know medical innovation should they wish to make a big impact?
1: You have to do both simultaneously. You, I think. Uh... You you need to have a vision for where this could go. But if you don't land the first product and make it right and get traction, you don't have permission to do the rest of it. So I think it's about understanding where you fit in to a bigger vision and being able to talk to that, but then also being able to execute and show that you have earned the right to move towards that vision with your first product. So it's really a, a both answer.
0: That's particularly interesting. And for those who aren't in the medical field themselves, engineers, designers, et cetera, uh, how would you advise them to, I guess, you know, take the same path that you did? What were some of the greatest lessons that you learned along the way to be where you are now?
1: A really important thing in healthcare is expertise that you get from being in the industry. I would highly encourage uh, people who are outside of healthcare to find a partner who is inside of healthcare to, to work with in order to navigate together. Um, I find healthcare extremely fulfilling uh, for multiple reasons. I mean, first of all, I think healthcare is a basic human need, and I love being able to work on something that is such a basic human need. Um, and as I said at the beginning, I think there is a level of challenge inherent in healthcare that I, I personally feel very drawn to. Um, and so I think you, 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 it's, it's hard to wing it in healthcare. Like you can't just, um, you know, build something and launch it. Like it just, you're, you're, you're going to get shut down. Right. And so making sure that you have a partner or the experts around you who can guide you on the things that are different about healthcare that need to be done right, I think is, 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 is really important.
2: Awesome. I think we've been talking technical stuff for a while now. So I want to bring you back to a personal life. So what's it like being a mom and a CEO? That sounds hard.
1: Part of the reasons I decided to accept the offer and, and join Waverly as the CEO is because I have two young daughters. Um, I, I don't think that there are enough role models out there for how you can be a mom uh, of two young daughters and a CEO at the same time. And I really wanted my daughters to have that as a role model and, and, and their friends as well. And so a, a, a big motivation for me was to try and craft that, that role model. Um, you know, I, one of my teammates told me this week that she's expecting, uh, her, her child in, in May. And I got extremely emotional and, and excited about that because I feel like I was never really supported very well, uh, as I had children. And, you know, I basically started my own consulting firm, Triety, because. Um, I wanted to basically be able to call the shots and be a mom on my terms. And so the way I did that was to start a company. Um, and it worked for me, but I, I really, really want to reset and I want to find a way and obviously we're not like money is not the way we're going to support because we're a startup. We're not like a big tech company that can pay people for, you know, months and months and months of, 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 of leave. But I really want to find creative ways and appropriate ways to, to support new parents in, in a way that I was never supported. And it, again, I don't think it's about money. I think it's really about mindset and flexibility. Um, and I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm so honored to be in a role right now where I can do that for someone.
2: That's, that's very honorable of you, actually. So then why do you think the support that you're talking about hasn't happened yet? What's, what's, what's the hold of them?
1: Well, you guys are Canada-based, which is very different from the U.S. Um, I mean, I don't know how aware you are of some of the discussions that are going on in, in Washington, but you know, one of the things that Biden tried to put into a recent bill was essentially paid family leave when when you have children, because the U.S. is one of the only countries that has no federal paid leave when when you leave, and I think, um, I mean, you know. There's like this staggering statistic that like over 50% of women are expected to be back at work after, you know, two weeks, two weeks after giving birth, which is like your body isn't ready, much less your brain, much less anything, especially when you're a new mom. So I think, uh, you, you know, I, I think there are a lot of issues in the U.S. and in particular with not supporting um, parents uh, in in kind of the, the journey into parenthood. Um, and I think the problems are systemic. I don't know if we'll ever kind of see shifts in, in kind of at the federal level in the U.S. Um, so, you know, I think um, it's just, unfortunately, uh, in the U.S. it's become kind of a ingrained thing in the culture. And I think there are large employers, there are employers, absolutely, that are starting to pave the way to do things differently. Like I'm really excited about how a lot of the big wealthy companies are supporting new parents in ways that are very, very generous. And, you know, while as a startup you're not able to be quite that generous, I think we can be generous in other ways in terms of flex you know, and we're gonna figure it out. We're gonna get creative and we're gonna figure out what she needs and we're gonna make it happen.
0: I think that it's been fascinating to learn about how you got to where you are, the systems that you've built and what you're trying to build for the future. But if you were to summarize in a few lines, what you want to leave behind perhaps 20 years from now, what, what does that future look like for healthcare, for your daughters, for anything?
1: Uh, well, definitely at least 50%, if not more than 50% of the Fortune 500 companies need to have a female CEO. So that is something um, that I hope my being a CEO might be a little blip on the path towards. And, um, in terms of what we're trying to achieve at, at Wavely, it really is about putting healthcare in the hands of families and putting them at the center of their healthcare and in control of their healthcare in a way that has never been possible before. I mean, what better reason to wake up every morning than to make healthcare more accessible for children? And not just domestically, kind of in our own world here, but internationally as well. I think there are huge, huge opportunities to bring healthcare uh, to kind of emerging economies via smartphones that we can't even dream of yet. And I would love to be able to see kind of everybody globally have access to smartphones with sophisticated medical diagnostics whenever and wherever they need them.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of How It's Med. If you liked what you heard, please download and rate our episodes on whatever platform you listen on. Also, if you have any feedback on what you just heard, we'd love to
2: hear it wherever you listen to or on our website, howitsmed.com. That way we can create better content that suits you. Till next time. Bye-bye.